Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Zach Bartles, and I am just quickly introducing a little bonus episode, a little crossover episode between another program that I host called These Go to 11 and the Gut Check Podcast. We had Ted on These Go to 11 this week. Uh, meaning that uh, it was equal parts uh, gut check, these go to 11. We're going to call it these go to gut check. You can subscribe to these go to 11 anywhere you're subscribed to gut check. I think, uh, you know, anywhere from iTunes to CastBox, Stitcher, all that stuff. And for the moment, uh, here is one episode in which we are going to talk about Ted's new book and also whether or not it is time to, quote, kiss the young restless reformed movement goodbye, to which I say kind of already? Really? So with no further preface, here is the podcast, and we will see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, what's going on, man? (laughs) Did you hear when the music started? (laughs) And Ted just went... (laughs) Like, like I mean, it's nice. It's, judging our music. it's easy listening. I like it. I like, I like it. our music. It's kind of cool. I like cool. music too. It's I like funky. it. I like it better than the happier music. I'm not gonna lie. I'm okay. just gonna put that. It's not like a robot being like sexually yeah. assaulted by another robot. Exactly. That's kind of the vibe we were going for on the happy rant. So. It does occur to me though, Ted, that it's kind of the opposite of our music, which is like 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 uh, really hardcore guitar and stuff from the '90s. Dude, our wow. music is perfect. I love the '90s. So, but I'm, Nathan I'm and I have our own little thing going here, and it's kind of, uh, it, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It's like, um, it's like NPR, kind of, isn't it? Dude, Which, it's a little NPR-ish, man. Yeah, what do you Nathan, think of that, Nathan? Nathan? It's a little, it's a little NPR. I, I'm down with that. I, I could handle that. You know, a little less uh, politically uh, divisive, I would hope. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Earlier, I was trying to get Ted and Nathan to fight. So. <laughs> Now that comes later in the podcast, man. We got to make them wait for that. That's right, man. You can't get any better than podcast fighting. I'll tell you what. Yes, uh, right. Yes, there's nothing sad about that. <laughs> oh man. Well, we are obviously we have Ted Cluck here joining us today, talking about uh, the book that you pulled together with your good partner there, Zach Bartles, uh, and the name of the book. I have it right here. Uh, a Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day and Other Essays. And I had to read that because I got the book literally 45 seconds ago. So, um, That's good show prep. It is, isn't it? I mean, this is how we roll on this podcast. You know, you talk about Absolutely. NPR, they've got nothing on us when it comes to quality. You know what? Zach is a good partner, too. I'm glad you said it that way. That's kind of that's nice. We've actually <laughs> tried to transition over to work friend because it's yeah. less ambiguous <laughs> exactly zach is my work friend we banter at work <laughs> oh man before we get into the book though want to shout out real quick to uh mission aware uh just remind people that we are still partners with them uh in a non-controversial sort of way uh we love the stuff that they produce and uh zach did you get any more word on your uh, theologian busts over there, dude. I am I am longing for those the the bust of one uh, Charles Spurgeon, and I don't mean that in the sense that he was a heavier guy and undoubtedly had you know need of a man's ear. I mean, I got I got Spurgeon and I got Calvin on the way. Um, and you know what occurred to me today? I was looking at my desk. Every once in a while, I like I like adjust my desk just so to try and make it look a little bit more like if if Don Draper was a pastor. 
And uh, I was like, when I get those those busts, I'm going to put them right here on the edge of the desk with a bunch of books between. And I was like trying to remember what it looked like. And in my mind, it only would make sense if John Kelvin's like pointy long beard hung off the desk, <laughs> right? Like down like eight or ten inches. But I don't think it does. But maybe that's something Jeff could work on later uh, once he's, you know. Well, yeah, I just have a great idea. The beard. Let's hear it. What are the odds we could get Jeff to make busts of us? <gasps> oh. I'm not going to rest until I've got a bust of you and me on my desk. That sounds like uh, that's the best. That sounds like the best idea you've had in a long you time. You know what it would pair nicely with? <laughs> What's that? The handsome leather desk blotter that you brought for me <laughs> last year <laughs> that I'm leaning on right now. I'm, I'm leaning on the desk blotter as we make radio. Now, let me ask you, have you put the desk blotter on the floor and your elbows are on it and you're sort of coquettishly kicking yes. your feet? Yeah, and I'm, t- I'm twirling the phone cord in my, in, in my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Lying on my bed yeah, with the desk blotter and the phone. I don't, know, I don't know how, but we started talking about Ted's book and then we never really got into Ted's book. And now we're talking about like b- mental images uh, that will emasculate Ted. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Well, think about this one. You know what else I haven't done? I haven't angrily thrown the desk blotter into the river like the, oh. like the kid on Dead Poets Society. <laughs> Unlike him, I appreciate my desk blotter. Nathan, what do you think of uh, Dead Poets Society? Uh, you know, it's been so long since I've seen it, I honestly don't have an opinion on it. And to tell you the truth, I have no desire to go back and see it again. So I don't well, know. Well, it's trash, but it's fun trash, you know? Absolutely. Fair enough. Fair enough. My wife was, uh, I think one of our friends gave it to my wife because she's an English teacher. And so they were like, oh, you really like this and appreciate it. And she had never seen it before. And she was like, this is absolutely horrible. This is the worst movie I've ever yeah. seen in my life. So I've never gone back and rewatched it since then. Why haven't you and your wife watched uh, Karate Kid 3? Karate Kid 3? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a that's great a good, date movie, by the way. That- yeah. And it's also the worst movie that you'll have ever seen once you've seen it. <laughs> exactly. That That is a fair point. That is a fair point. I, I've got to say the last time I saw Karate Kid 3 was also a number of years ago. I think like when it first came out on VHS. So it, it's been a while. I'll have to refresh myself on some of these movies. Now, when you watched Karate Kid 3, do you remember whether or not you wanted – to uh, get rich enough so that you could sit in a standard bathroom sink. <laughs> that that was my life goal uh, <laughs> at that time. <laughs> I do so remember that life. fondly. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah, I want I want a Schwitz, a private Schwitz, and I want a private giant sink, <laughs> or the technology to shrink myself down to sit in a standard sink. Is that too much to ask? And busts for <laughs> busts for mission aware. So Jeff, if you're listening. Get to work on all those things. You know, compared to the shrinking technology, the idea of getting busts of us made and missional wear sounds downright doable. You know, Dude, that's what I like to do in these negotiations. I like to give them something outlandish and then something easy that they can accomplish. I'm all yeah. I, I want to be able to be shrunk down so I can sit in my sink. Not that? Okay. I want you to make a bust of me. Exactly. Exactly. Now it seems doable. Chad, let me, let me uh, segue back to the book, man. Sure. Um, when the bust comes out, do mm-hmm. you want it to be of you now uh, with your your locks and maybe, you know, the, the blue glasses? So like even tinted blue on the on the bust or nice. 
do you want it to be from uh, your more clean cut, why we're not emergent days, or perhaps from your giant necked, dead Garfield eyes, college football days? Dude, I think I would kind of like a giant neck one, you know, just to like refer to it and remember what I used to be, you know. Um, and I also think like just just carving that much neck out of like granite or whatever they make the the uh, the bus from would be it would it would be an interesting exercise. So I'm I'm going giant neck and dead Garfield on that one. Which by the way, speaking of the book, not to bring it back to that, but you you sketched a uh, a wonderful rendition of the dead Garfield ass photo. So people. Um, they can enjoy that if they purchase a copy of A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day. Yeah, Nathan, I don't know if, if Ted wanted me to, but I illustrated his book. And uh, I you, can find, you. you can find this picture, if you've got that that PDF, on page 252. I want to hear your reaction to it. On page it's, 252? All right. Yes, it's exactly what Ted looked like. What, what year is this? <laughs> sophomore year of college? Sophomore year of college. So, yeah, roughly like 1995, somewhere in that, in that time period. Our, our boy was very, very muscular. Uh, not yet very, very literate. Um, Correct. He had started reading, uh, you know, non-sport things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hadn't met his lady, hadn't found his, his, his niche in the world, but he knew how to do, uh, you know, a leg press and a freaking – how do you get that big neck? Is that the one you actually just like, like yeah, lift dude, the yeah. weights with your head? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. So you actually – you do shrugs. So like the <laughs> shrugs give you the, the huge traps. So you grab like – I'll shrug you would do. Yeah, no, you, you grab like – 80 pound dumbbells or hundred pound dumbbells in each hand and just like shrug them. And then uh, football players get the huge neck by actually wearing a helmet. So like you wear the helmet, you wear it in practice, you know, you oh. smash into other guys and your neck just kind of gets big and strong like that. So um, is, is, is Nathan like grinding pepper in the background? <laughs> Nathan, are you making, <laughs> cost, are you making Casio y Pepe back there? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a cooking Ted, program? Ted, I was trying to take my cue from you where you love to eat on your podcast, but I wanted to up it to that next level where I was cooking everything before I ate it. Dude, we're going to prepare and eat the food on this podcast. <laughs> I love that. That's next level. Uh, now, Ted, Nathan, I'm sorry there. I just wanted to say I, I haven't been doing any shrugs lately, yeah. but I have found that a lot of my dress shirts, I have a hard time buttoning that top button these days. Yeah. So whatever I'm doing, I'm doing something right, I guess. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Keep doing it. What were you going to say, man? I was going to ask Nathan what his – see, I don't know Nathan at all. I don't know where he lives. I don't know what his college persona was like. Like what was he like in, in 1995 uh, or whenever he was in college? What did, what did that look like? I was going to say if you're going back to 1995, I'm, I'm a little younger than you guys. So that's, uh, oh. that's going back a ways. Um, so yeah. just to let you know, my wife actually thought I was a, uh, I was a punk uh, because okay. I had – uh, torn jeans. They were Ooh. my absolute favorite pair of jeans, and I had not yet had a chance to go out and get them replaced. So the knees were all torn out of them. I had wow. a. That's a little dangerous. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, Nathan, where'd you go to college? Uh, I went to Houghton College. Are you familiar Ooh. with that one? I am. I am familiar with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, yep, it's in the uh, absolute middle of nowhere. Uh, yeah. For those who don't know. Um, yep. So went there and yeah. So when my wife first saw me, I had my ear pierced. Uh, I had long hair pulled into a ponytail and I wore this, uh, pleather jacket that had some martial arts patches all over it. So my, oh, man. my wife, she saw me and she, uh, she thought like, I, you know, I just, Took one look at me and she's like, "Man, this this guy's a total punk." I mean, did you have the beginnings of a mustache? 
Dude, she's oh, like, he either, dude, I had either a rides a motorcycle beard. or he works in the AV room at our college yeah. checking out the VCRs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so she, she thought I was, a, uh, I was a total punk. And then I went home over Christmas break and uh, I, I totally got a haircut. So by the time I got back, I looked like one of the Backstreet Boys. I was all clean cut and shaved and, uh, yeah. Did you so. have the, like, meticulously groomed, like – Facial hair, like into shapes, like those Backstreet Boys. Did. Oh, I was totally clean cut. I uh, I had oh, shaved okay. the whole thing off at that point. Dude, now what? What are we looking at here? Like early two thousands? Yep, yep. Okay, so that was yeah. that was two thousand one. Dude, so what are you listening to? A little uh, little Lincoln Park, a little Fred Durst. I don't know. Like, what, Dude, what is a dangerous? You're spot on, man. You're spot I on. know. What oh is a dangerous God. guy at Houghton College listening to? And- that is the worst <laughs> era for that kind of music, dude. Dude, terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> I make no apologies hey. for my younger self. <laughs> Nathan, have you found have you found Dead Garfield Eyes yet? I'm still looking for it. I have not found it. <laughs> That's <laughs> that pepper grinding show. that you heard, Ted. It's it's not pepper grinding. What is it? It's the sound of my mouse uh, scrolling down the pages. Oh, nice man! It, it, I could have <laughs> swore it was pepper grinding. <laughs> Well, mm-hmm. let, let me read to you uh, the – and not to you, Nathan, because you've already read it. This is the part of the book you read, but the headings <laughs> on this book. There's, there's 80 essays, and they're written between 2009 and 2019. So I don't know if you're, if you're any good at math, but that's a full decade. Oh, Ten right. years, man. Ten years. <laughs> and and it's, I, I would suggest really the best of Ted Kluck in that time, although granted he did write a lot of – kind of short nonfiction that worked its way into books. Um, So, for example, there was one piece that I really wanted to get in this book about his time working, like, grinding concrete and stuff, but it had already gone into another book, and, and, you know, you can't can't double dip in that way in most cases. As opposed to grinding pepper like Nathan. (laughs) Two two sides of the same coin, really. So I did just find this picture that you're you're referring to. Dude, that, that is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I like there. There are just no words. I mean, Ted, you look like a cross between. Do you remember that? Uh, uh, did you ever watch Saved by the Bell? Sure. Did you watch the College Years? Uh, I don't think so. Not a devotee. Oh, not a did? devotee. Okay. Okay. Well, in the College Years, there was like this really jacked uh, kind of dorm leader that they had. It's it's like a cross between that and and you're absolutely right. Like Garfield, it's amazing. There you go. There you go. Yeah, Zach's a he's a master. You know, I mean, we we don't Nathan. We couldn't begin to understand his process on these things, but I just uh, I just I just enjoy the finished product. You just There's turn it over to him and involved. let him do his thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I just I just turn him loose. A lot of toothpicks, a lot of oil on canvas. You know, just let the artist the, work. Yeah, turn the pencil a little bit sideways and kind of shading with the Ooh, side of it. <laughs> Dude, I was always impressed by the shading guys in our class. You know, I'm like, oh, it's next level. Those guys really know what they're doing. And, and then there was always one, like all of them sucked, but there yes. was always one who was like, that's going to be what I do. I can shade like that too, but he didn't know what he was doing and, and it didn't look any good. Um, <laughs> I feel like the shading guys, like they always overdid it. And their, yeah. their, their arms, like their whole forearm was covered with like pencil because they're leaning all over it, you know? <laughs> All right, so the the, uh, subject headings here, there's four sections. There's life, um, which talks about everything from life in academia to, uh, you know, our our culture. One of the the whole things is just called Dear Inane Music at Restaurants. Please stop. 
which, <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of uh, kind of observational stuff. But instead of just being like, what's the deal with Ted will take something that he observes in, in the world, in the culture, in the classroom, whatever, and deconstruct it to the point where he gets to something like kind of basic to, to the human condition or or just, you know, that really irks him uh, and, and very, very uh, cleverly but not in a way that seems intentionally cleverly talk about it. Um, then there's pop culture. Uh, and again, we're talking about a wide gamut of things too. Uh, so we're talking about stuff back all the way in the nineties and the eighties, uh, all the way up through what's the most recent movie here. We're talking about, uh, Creed two. Yeah. Probably um, Creed two wind river, maybe. Um, yeah, there was, there were some recent ones in there, I think. So no, a Zach- lot of but did our uh, did our experience covering a Christian music festival make it into this section, or was that in a different section? No, that's in the last section. Gotcha, gotcha. Third section is called sports. Um, a lot of stuff in there about being a fan. A lot of stuff uh, kind of reflecting on being a sports writer and uh, the sort of culture that he was part of while also observing. Um, Nathan, I think you're more of a sports guy than me, but you're not a full on sports guy. Like you couldn't jump on with B pipe and Ted and, and co-host happy rant sports. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Well, and the thing is like with, uh, Ted, I think you would have a lot of fun, uh, severely mocking me, uh, for, for my sports interests because I actually, let's do that. All right. That's, that's cool. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh Um, I am a huge, uh, soccer fan. Uh, and oh, so sure. I follow, you know, I follow the world cup. That's, that's kind of my go-to sport. Uh, I enjoy baseball, but only when I'm at the stadium, I couldn't really sit down yeah. and watch a game on TV. Uh, basketball, you just totally lose me when you start talking about that. Um, so do you want to take a couple minutes and, and analyze me there on, on, on my choices or. Dude, yeah, I'm not going to make fun of you, man. I'm no, I'm not going to make fun of you at all. I just want to know vis-a-vis the soccer watching, like. Uh-huh. Do you – so do you have kids? You're a dad? No, no. No, okay. Uh, but you're, a, you're like an almost middle-aged guy. Yep. Um, what's, your, what's your soccer jersey situation? Like, I, don't, I don't have are a you jersey. Going, you don't have a jersey? See, that, that actually bodes well, man. Um, to me, the most ridiculous thing is to see these paunchy, like middle-aged, pasty, like white dads with like the – the little like tight nylon jersey that says like fly Emirates or right, you know, right, it's, it's right. got some like – soccer logo emblazoned on it and uh i don't know i just i kind of roll my eyes when i see that but, now is uh, that is that specific to soccer with you or is that all sports dude it's specific to soccer because these guys all they all kind of have this ethos that like um i almost said something real inappropriate that you would have had to bleep out later but uh, they, they've all they've all got like a a, a love <laughs> affair with europe um so <laughs> i know what you, you almost said <laughs> you, you know exactly what i almost said yeah, they've all got a like a like a little Jones for Europe in that they all, you know, like they they read C.S. Lewis and you know they read all these authors and they really wish they like grown up in England or grown up somewhere on the continent and uh-huh. uh, so so yeah they like they order these uh, these European soccer jerseys and, and wear them around because they think it makes them look more worldly and refined and uh, I just think it's funny but uh, but enough. no man I like what you like what you want to like that's my that's my sports fandom advice I also think. You know, your baseball fandom today is where I was like five years ago. But as I've gotten older, now that I'm like a completely broken down, decrepit old man, like I actually really love watching baseball on TV. It really makes me happy. Okay. So your 
you're maybe a few years down the road from that. But yeah, just like the ebb and flow, the the like little the patter, the rhythms of baseball in the summer. It's uh, it's an enjoyable thing for me. So maybe you've got that to look forward to down the line. Now, where are you on the Olympics? Oh, boy. Uh, Absolutely no interest in the Olympics. Yeah, none whatsoever. The last Olympics I remember caring about was the one where uh, all all the, like, sprinters were, like, steroidal. So I think this was, like, 1988, and they were breaking all the records and uh, yeah, so we're we're going way back for that, but yeah, I have no interest in the Olympics. None, gotcha. none was. What were you going to say? I, tell you, I was going to say, Ted. Did I tell you that there's a, uh, a minor league like soccer team playing in town now? Dude, you the, did mention that, and and I didn't ask any follow up questions. But is that is that thing making a go of it there in Lansing? Or are it they? Seems successful? like it. I really was surprised by my desire to go, and I yeah. think it had something to do with how cool their logo was. And the fact that that made it seem like I live in a bigger, more exciting city than I do. Now, is their logo, Zach, is it cooler than the new city of Lansing logo? <laughs> you mean you mean three bent lines? Three bent lines, cost exactly. Cost $100,000? It is exactly. cooler than that, yeah. It's a spark yeah. plug, like firing. And uh, it's called the Lansing Ignite, which oh, is dude, I like that. super awesome. And I'm auto been, industry, man. I mean, we're, we're kind of suckers for that. I've been going to the, uh, the minor league games. More yeah. lately, and I feel a desire to like get in on that, like like care yeah. a lot about it. Like I, I I even also listen to one on the radio. Now I've always yeah. loved having a ball game on the radio in the background, even when I don't care yeah. about it. I just like the sound of it, or it makes Absolutely. makes me think of being a kid. Yep. But I don't know. I feel like I may be um, on a track toward being like someone who like could tell you what the the Lansing lug nuts record is in a given summer and like who's ahead of them you know in the in the little minor league uh, echelon dude i like that track you know what i would like to do with you in the future i would like for us to own a minor league baseball team together oh. so do you think if maybe we sold enough copies of this book and <laughs> and our smoking book as a company gut check could buy we could buy some shares in a minor league team i, I would like that I, I i'd like to see you and me in like a a luxury box at a minor league stadium like like gentlemen what would be the mascot? Mm. See, I don't know, dude, but here, here's an old man thing I'm going to lay on you and tell me if you agree with this or not. So I, I love minor league baseball also, and I, we have a team here in Jackson that I, that I go and watch frequently. The Generals. And, yeah, the Generals. And one, one of the things that bugs me about it is like just the cacophony of like 12 seconds of pop songs during oh, every yes. break. And, my son irate. <laughs> dude, it makes me irate. I hate it. And like, I want to go back. So I want to buy a minor league baseball team and I want to take out like all the piped in pop music and just go back to like a guy playing an organ yes. and just the ambient noise of the ballpark. And yes. um, that's how I would run the team, man. And and I want to know if, if that resonates with you. Dude, yeah, you're, you're, you know that does. I know. You're man. inane music at uh, minor league stadiums. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. Exactly. But you know what I think? We we buy like uh, I don't know. Let's say Dayton has a team or something. Yeah, and we rename it the Boxers. Okay, which, which fits with our ethos is funny because you're naming one sporting team after another sport. <laughs> That's but right. then like the the mascot itself would be like a dog, like a mean looking boxer. Yes. Oh, I like it. I like it. All we yeah. need is the money. I mean, the hard work's done. <laughs> you know, we've done all the legwork here. I mean, we've really. We've done our, our due diligence here on this business, and uh, now it's just time for someone to to buy like eight million copies of this book so that we can <laughs> we can buy our minor league baseball team. You you don't even uh, need that. I say you just set up a Kickstarter page for that, Ooh. and and you'd be Ooh. good to go. 
<laughs> I like it. We could give just like free tickets in perpetuity to all our Kickstarters, provided we're really able like to purchase. That. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's let's look into that. Uh, I will look into it tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but I would like to sell eight million copies of this book, whose like fourth that. and final section is called Gut Check and oh, contains. Yeah. Good Did sex. you see how I just kind of smoothly? Um, it contains not only very uh, astute kind of, I want to say, speculative pieces like Mystic Pizza Revisited, Where Are They Now? Uh, some things you've already heard on the radio, like uh, the Happy Rant Evangelical Cruise Activities schedule. Um, some long-form stuff, uh, including the thing Ted referred to, which was, I want to go to the hallway. It was a long night of uh, corny Christian music festival stuff that Ted and I endured amongst many nights of that uh, while he was writing a book that was not to be. Uh, and then a bunch of like little like one pager type things like titles of popular Christian books. If you replace one of the keywords in the title with the word parkour. Um, so <laughs> nice. dude. I think my favorite piece in there is the revisionist history of Ted and Zach. Like that's where the Garfield eyes um, comes. In. Yeah. yeah. What would have, what would have happened if we had met at Taylor university where, where, I attended college and where you had uh, you had family. So we we could have easily met in the 90s at Taylor. Ted and I have determined we were absolutely in the same room at least five, six times during the 90s, yep. mid, mid, early to mid 90s. Yep. Uh, and yet we didn't meet until 2008 or 2007. Mm. Nice. Wasn't meant to be, baby. Oh, well. Dude, so no. that's a book you need to buy. Get out there and, and buy it. You can buy it on... Ted, why don't you talk about our special our special arrangement for for yeah, how you can man. I I couldn't be more excited about this deal that we put together, Zach and and Nathan. Here's what it is. So there's a website. Yeah. Um, it's called www.amazon.com, and we have partnered with them. Man, so, I, I think I've heard of them before. They yeah, sound familiar. So the way, the, they're they're really good to work with. I tell you, man, they've just been they've been champs. And the way this thing works is, um, anytime anybody buys a book. Uh, part of the proceeds go to Amazon and then part of the proceeds go to us. So uh, I'm just really excited about it. I've, I've got great hopefulness for that deal. And uh, I feel like I would like for people to visit this website and find the book and then, and then purchase it. That's really what, what all this talk is about. Well, you know um, what we're going to do for you and Amazon here, Ted? When we finish up this, this podcast, we're going to go ahead and we're going to link that to the show notes. So that way wow. people can help support Amazon and you all at the same time. See, this is the kind of synergy I'm talking about, Zach. I mean, you get three creative guys in the room, and and you know these kind of ideas just fly out of us. So I, I can I can tell Nathan is a kindred spirit. And the first uh, fifty I, people to purchase, you get a, a photograph of an employee at Amazon to put on your fridge. And that's somebody that you right. are keeping in lattes, and he's holding a soccer ball, looking kind of forlorn. You, know? <laughs> you can write him a letter from time to time if you'll move. He's yeah. holding his Starbucks cup upside down, empty, with a with a crestfallen face. Oh, exactly. When his birthday rolls around, they send you like a like a three pound package containing basically just a birthday card that you then sign and send back to them, and then they send it on, and you're like, hey, "Did we just spend twenty three dollars to send a kid a birthday card?" Because that seems stupid. Not talking about any particular group, certainly not one that we talk about in your book, then, or that you talk about. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, well, we have another topic here, right? Uh, it's a, a, a hot button issue. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is one. I think it was Sunday night. Zach, you had sent me uh, a link 
that had uh, this person's perspective on these uh, quote unquote Christians who have been turning their back on their faith. Um, and then it was at that time you were like, Hey, what if we get Zach or we get Ted on to talk about uh, his book and uh, which we, we still need to talk about at some point, I think. Um, and then uh, I thought it was a great idea. So you sent Ted the link. Uh, now, Ted, I'm not sure. Did you get the link uh, sooner I I than got I it. got your book or was it around the same time? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Zach, Zach spent the whole day doing show prep. So he was producing the show uh, during the day. So I, I, I got the um, yeah, I got the link. I perused the article. I, I, I need to just come clean here, you guys. I want to be a hundred percent transparent with your audience and say that I didn't read every word of it. Oh my uh, god! But I read some of the words. Some of the words <laughs> were read. The article is uh, by R. Scott Clark, by the way, and he's he's a classic curmudgeon who's been kind of swiping at the young restless restless reform movement uh, since its inception. So this is not anything new. Dude, has R. Scott ever written – has he ever written anything mean about me? I guarantee it, and I'm going to Google oh, it. I love it. have that technology in the studio. Yeah, do it. Find some mean R. Scott stuff about me. I'm sure he probably referred to, uh, you know, like why we're, why we're not emergent as like the, the wet behind the ears young pastor and that meathead or something. I don't know. Let's see here. Oh, I love it. Now, right. while, while he's doing that, Ted, I have, what did you – what were your uh, thoughts about the words that you did read in the article? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so it's it's funny, Nathan, like and Zach and I, I think have talked about this maybe off the air, but everybody almost as soon as the Josh Harris like Instagram post went up, everybody was writing their think pieces about it, including me. Mm-hmm. And the the difference being I didn't publish mine because I I wrote it and then I kind of hated myself immediately afterward, but um but yeah, I mean this this one tonally so R Scott's piece I think was probably meaner than the ones I read. So, mm-hmm. um, I read Carl Truman's. I like Carl Truman, although like I I've since learned that like not everybody likes Carl Truman, but, uh, I thought his was good. I thought the thing that the guy from skillet wrote was actually good. I thought it was really honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and seemed pretty heartfelt, but yeah, this, this R Scott thing, man, there was a, there was definitely an edginess to it. There was a sense of like, screw these guys ness to it. Right. Yeah. Well, and the goal of this one was not to assess it, or yeah. try and make sense of it, like this—the skillet one, um, which I, I thought was great. And, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of that that music, and I, I was just really heart, heartened to see somebody who was quote unquote cool who yeah. was saying. I, I loved the like question, like, why aren't you embarrassed? That, I mean, right. how is it that you're like flip flopping 180 degrees and then like hitting the gas? But uh, this one, I mean, the article is called. Time to kiss New Calvinism goodbye, yeah. and the mm-hmm. goal of it is to make you look at Joshua Harris as well as Drisky, um, James uh, McDonald, Mahaney, and go, oh, well, this whole thing was just bad Red news. Joke. Let's yeah. kick it to the curb because it was it was basically kind of the same sort of Drisky was saying about you know the you know bunch of young kids with daddy wounds um, mm-hmm. and and no fathers, all brothers, and then. He like tries to use the Joshua Harris thing to say it's time to once and for all cut and run from what's left of that movement or what has evolved out of that movement. And man, I thought it was a mess. That's why I shared it. Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought it was just a 
a lot of missed steps. And by the way, um, the only thing I can find here is on R. Scott Clark's, Clark's blog called – are you ready for this, you guys? Yeah. The Heidel blog. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Dude, that talks, has early 2000s new to the blogosphere written all over it. It was about I, the same okay. time. It's September 1, 2008, the same time that KDY rebranded as Young, Restless, and no, De Young, Restless, and Reformed. Ooh, um, solid. He mentions a sermon series he's preaching and that he's using your book as a reference or a, a resource. So n- nothing, nothing bad about Big T. Ah, um, because you were in a Reformed church, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and his whole thing has been throughout, he didn't like that there was this new Calvinist movement where you could be Baptist, you could be free evangelical or whatever. You don't hold to all this. You don't sprinkle babies. You don't hold to every aspect of it, but you sort of resonate with the Calvinism, the the big sovereignty of God, the view of uh, soteriology of salvation. And he hated that. He's hated it all along. And now he's coming in with, you see, I've been saying this the whole time. And it's like, well, but you haven't been saying, just wait, all these guys are going to fall from grace. You never said that. You right. know, but now he's pretending right. that that's been his thing all along. By the way, uh, just for fun, because he references Joshua Harris's lack of theological education. Yeah. Um, and that's something I kind of want to get into a little bit. But he sure, sure. he mentions. So I, I said, does, I wonder if he hasn't had any theological <laughs> education. I go to Amazon. I click his bio. All the bio says is in 2016, Joshua Harris disavowed the book. I kissed dating goodbye and it's no longer published. So I click on I Kiss Dating Goodbye. All this recent stuff has given us a huge bump, like a supply and demand. Oh, absolutely. Dude, his book is up above your newly released essay book, which really pissed me off. Yeah. Uh, especially since the author is – maybe what you should do is disavow the, the essay book. Well, dude, and, maybe um, maybe I should. Bump. Maybe I need to write a public statement, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna, no, no, here's what we need to do. Breaking guys. news, people. To, Ted Cluck is about to – I'm disavowing my essay book. and. I'm going to do it in a series of like heavily curated hipster photographed Instagram posts. So I'm going to get Instagram <laughs> for the sole purpose of like, I'm going to stare pensively out into a lake with my traps looking huge, by the way. Like, <laughs> like I'm going to off camera, I'm going to do a set of shrugs with like some 80s. And then I'm going to immediately have the hipster like step behind me, take the shot of me pensively staring into a lake. You mean and then 75 I'm write, shots of which you'll pick the most pensive looking one. The yeah. most <laughs> pensive, the most arty. And then I'm going to I'm going to write about how I'm disavowing my essay book. And then I'm going to say, hey, you know what, though? Please respect my privacy. <laughs> this is a journey that I just need to be on. Like respect my privacy by like racing to Amazon to buy my book to see what all the fuss is about. But then. But then definitely respect my privacy. So Ted on the Happy Rant made reference to how he had written his own piece about Joshua Harris and then buried it mm-hmm. because I think he just wrote it for the exercise, right, Ted? Just kind of yeah. Then- I just wrote it to like get some thoughts out of my head about it, I guess. Because you know, all all haha aside, like sad, yeah. Someone, yeah, someone leaving the faith is mm-hmm. unspeakably sad, and I, I think depending on how old you are, like this is this is one of those that, that it was just one of those big names that those of us who were young and in, in reformedum or evangelicalism or whatever you want to call it like back in the day like that was just a name that we heard all the time and in fact like back when i was hanging out with KDY a whole bunch he and josh harris and i think i don't know a couple other the 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 big young names in that movement maybe colin hansen greg gilbert those guys would take like a road trip together every year and and i don't know confab and talk about the future and all that stuff so kind of by yeah. proxy K, KDY was you know he was rubbing shoulders with with Harris. And so I felt like I kind of 
knew of him through that. But, uh, but yeah, sad stuff. I just kind of wanted to write a few thoughts on it and, and not publish it. But, uh, but, but I got you to send it to me. Yeah, of course. And my, of course. And my favorite line, can I say one line from it? It's very, you can say as many lines as you want from it. It said, will, will he have, uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase it first. Will he have like, uh, apologized and, and flip-flopped enough to appease, you know, will he be liberal enough to appease the people who were tearing him apart on Twitter for his, his, his book the past 10 years? Yeah. O- only Twitter will tell. Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. Well, dude, right. So the, the whole idea with these things is, you know, so this guy, he's got a really weird career arc in the sense that he basically spent from age 19 to age 29 being roundly like applauded, patted on the back by evangelicals. He was doing like main stage conference gigs. I mean, he was the guy for like a decade Mm -hmm. and then Twitter happened and he spent the last decade just getting roasted, you know, it's just like getting eviscerated by all these people on Twitter. So the idea that he comes out, he disavows the faith, disavows his marriage, whatever says, I don't believe any of this stuff in the book. You know, it's a, it's such a moving target that he's shooting at in the sense that like he nails himself to the cross. And at what point will, will people be like, assuaged enough to to take him down and let him know that he can continue living you know that's Mm -hmm. the that's kind of the environment that we're in and it's sad to me i mean it's sad to me that he's embarked on this this journey of trying to like appease online harpies with his life because i think there's there's going to be no satisfaction in that but what's weird is for someone else to turn around and take that sad situation and use it to attack something that hasn't existed in like <laughs> eight or nine, right? Like we yeah. wrote Younger Wrestler Sir Reformer in 2010. In the preface, we we acknowledge we're like yeah. uh, by way of preface, we know a disclaimer that this is kind of on the way out already sure. in 2010. Sure. Nine years later, there's this guy who's like, well, now <laughs> it's time to walk away from Young Wrestler. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> like. I don't know. That's like somebody attacking me at Emergent Church right now. And, exactly. and uh, Emergent Maybe I should do. Maybe I need to write a sequel to why we're not emergent. Why I'm maybe. still not emergent. <laughs> maybe that would sell. Dude, so serious question here, baby. And, and maybe you can both shed light on this. Like, who reads R. Scott Clark? Like, does this guy have an audience? Or, oh, yeah. like, who, yeah. like, who's his audience? This is going to be like, uh, it was on Abounding Grace Radio. This is okay. like old guard reformed people. Gotcha. So even when it was at when YRR was at its like loudest, biggest, strongest, and and you'd get like RC Sproul and MacArthur and some of these old guard guys in there, uh, and Piper. Although R. Scott Clark tries to sandwich Piper in in the last paragraph, right? Yeah. Between, this this pissed me off. So he mentions all these people who've been semi uh, kind of disgraced, and in the midst of it, he says Mahaney, Driscoll, Piper, McDonald, Harris, et al. Yeah. And I'm like, how the heck did Piper get in there? Exactly. But, uh, what did John Piper do to get disgraced? This not is news a to thing. Me. It's yeah. just ridiculous. But uh, like he he would be part of the um, D.A. Carson kind of even even Carson was like, I'll engage with this. It's an opportunity sure. to share this. But there were the people who were just like, I think it's a hipster thing. I was yeah. into this Calvinism before all these people thought it was cool. And mm-hmm. now they're cool. How come I'm not cool? How come my books aren't, you know, trending, uh, even though my theology is, you know, in a sense, becoming more you know, mainstream to a certain group of people. And mm-hmm. and he always hated that people and, and he hated it was it wasn't just that it was it was principle. He hated yeah. that people could take part of it and not all of it, because sure. in his mind, 
Calvinism is this, or Reformed theology is this whole system. You mm. got to take the the that kind of covenant theology. Mm. You got to see that all the institutes are none of it. You got to take the Westminster standards are none of it. If you're not going to, you know, sign on to the Belgic Confession, do not, you know, get a, a Calvinist tattoo or wear a hipster tulip T-shirt or something or grow a long yeah, beard. Yeah. And, and that to me is just like I don't know. I, I get the all or nothing. That's my weakness too. Sure. But come on. Let's, let's go a yeah. little far. Yeah. Hey, I have, a, I have a question for you guys. Another question on R. Scott Clark. Do we know what the R stands for in his name? Is it like Reggie or like Rick? <laughs> why, why doesn't he use it? Is there? Yeah, Rick Scott Clark. I think that's kind of money. <laughs> Ron. Clark. Ron Scott Clark. Actually, it's Rick Flair Scott Clark. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The Nature Boy. That's I have no idea, man. That's that's a. If anyone knows, tweet it to us. Um, it's got to be something embarrassing. Reggie's yeah. not embarrassing. Dude, Reggie's um, awesome. I wish my name was Reggie. It's got to be like maybe it's Ricky. Yeah, Ricky. Ricky Scott Clark. Dude, Ricky <laughs> Scott Clark though. That's like, dude. What what do you do? What's your vocation if your name is Ricky Scott Clark? I feel like it's something awesome. I feel like you're like a motorcycle racer. I almost know? said, dude, I almost said that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say motocross, like jumping yeah. big piles of dirt on a, on a, on like a. Dude, dude, he's hopping the big piles of dirt. He's got a little like merch deal. He's got a sponsorship with Red Bull. Yeah, it's a good life, man. If you're Ricky Scott Clark, that's a really good life. I'd take it. Now, but, but part of his whole deal here, and, and did you read the whole article, Nathan, or did you uh, Ted Cluck this thing? No, I actually, yeah. I read it. I read the whole thing. <laughs> um, well done, Nathan. Good job. Well, you know what? I, it, would it would it help if I said I felt like some of it was a waste of my life? But I, I listen, for the podcast, I had to do it for the podcast, man. There you it's go. A, it's a good moment for me. He's going to let me have it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> no the uh, the main beef he had under the the one heading was that it, that McDonald like oh no Mahaney rather uh, discovered him and then like groomed him to to become a pastor. Uh-huh. And his beef was like, that shouldn't happen. And I'm yeah. like, what? I kind of remember that happening in the Bible. Dude, that's right. I feel like that happens all the time in the Bible. <laughs> He's, and and, and he, he acts like, you know, the, the guy was like, oh, are you, you're, you're 19 and you wrote a book? Okay, well, now you're the pastor of a 7,000-person megachurch. Uh, no, no. It's not the way it happened. Um, and so th- that was weird. Uh, and the whole thing about, like, the marks of the church, uh, you know, a true church, a good – and that's the whole thing. So so remember how Turk would talk about people who were obsessed with being truly reformed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. R. Scott Clark is one of the guys Turk was talking about, and he would have probably told you, you know, by name that that's who he was talking about. Um, the people who are like your you, Mahaney's and even your DeYoung's aren't, aren't reformed enough. The true reformed are, are these people. And so he goes through the marks of the church, uh, preaching the gospel purely and ministering baptism in the Lord's Supper purely – and uh, church discipline for sheep who are straying. Are you guys still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Okay. Oh, wait. Can Ted hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay, good. Yeah, I just lost you for a little bit. Did you guys? You sound amazing. Thank you so much. You sound good, too. Thanks. You know what I'm doing? It's, it's maybe because I was, like, trying to do some tech stuff here in my studio. I was trying to get a visual on our Scott Clark. I want to see what this guy looks like. Mm. What, it, it, describe him to me before you find him. Uh, before I find him, uh, frowny, like he's got a, <laughs> like he's got a little RBF, like male RBF. Resting uh, Baptist face. Yeah. Resting Baptist face, a little frowny. A lot oh of my se- gosh. 
You're so wrong, though. <laughs> I am wrong. I'm looking at him right now. Did you look at the striped tie picture? I'm, yeah, I'm looking at the striped tie. He looks he looks nice. That's a cake-eating grin on that guy, though. That is a cake-eating grin. He looks <laughs> he looks happy with himself. Man. That's Ellis, if I've ever seen Ellis. That's, that's yeah. theological El- Ellis. Beauty's theological Ellis. Hans Booby. I'm your wow. right yeah, Dude, I would um, open a Coke for that guy and pour a little into a glass and set the can down on the desk next to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What the world? So, okay, so he's – this guy's the right age to have been in the Young Restless Reform Movement, but either he wasn't included or he held back like, I'm not getting in that. I'm too good for it. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, this is fascinating. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all in on R. Scott Clark stuff now, man, just curiosity-wise. And I know I've heard him on the uh, White Horse Inn a lot. And he's, I mean, at the end of the day, he's a good guy. And the stuff he says in this is fairly true. Uh, it's just that he get, paints with too wide of a brush. Sure. Uh, he describes the shortcomings of evangelicalism in general. And mm-hmm. then says, see, that's why we have to walk away from any vestige of the new Calvinism. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys. I'm totally not ready to do that. There's, I, I'm not. Yes, yeah. I, I'm bummed about certain people who've walked away or fallen away, mm-hmm. but I'm not ready to say that's not kind of my quote-unquote tribe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm still with you. I, I mean, I think if there are any indictments to be made, like I, I think this whole thing is maybe an indictment of like young celebrity, you know, the idea that it's not great to throw a bunch of fame and money and like main stage gigs at, at some guy who's, you know, barely out of college. Which the skillet um, thing said so much better. And it nice did. Way. It said it so much better and it said it in a nice way. And, you know, he the skill guy was from the heart. He was really, um, I, I think, like self self indicting a little bit on that, too. Like he, the skill guy knows he makes his his bones in the in the fame industry. So, you know, no, nobody can throw the first stone there. But but yeah, I mean, I think in retrospect, the thing that you the thing that you want to throw out here is not, you know, uh, the the young reform movement, as it were. It's It's more like. I think take it as a cautionary note on on fame and the kind of accolades that that you can get in the business and and uh, yeah, be sad about somebody losing their faith. And mm-hmm. I think it was so like not uh, not a good look about the R. Scott, R. Scott Clark piece was the glee, you know, just to kind of like mm-hmm. I'm rubbing my hands together and I'm I'm doing the I told you so thing. And man, shouldn't we be bummed? Like, shouldn't we be just legit bummed when somebody like? leaves the fold you know this is this is not a happy marriage everything yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely even though harris is harris is insisting loudly like i'm happy i'm happy i'm happy but you know he's not you know i mean anytime a marriage falls apart it's a nightmare for that makes it sadder doesn't it the like facade on top of it absolutely absolutely yeah and and you know the the other thing with it is i think that the piece was just using him to push the same old agenda, right? And that's what happens with all, like, watch blogs and stuff, right? Like, yeah. whether it's, like, like w- if you're pulpit and pen and Rachel Held Evans dies, and you're like, all right, well, there's the one thing I write about, which is that uh, liberalism in the church is bad, so how do I use this event to push that? Mm-hmm. Rather mm-hmm. than saying, holy cow, something super sad just happened, and I should be grieving with people and praying for them. Sure. A- and in the same way, like, okay, so this guy's whole thing falls apart, how do I use that to push this one thing, which is – this isn't as crass as, as the Pulp and Pan thing, but it's right, right, kind of right. – and, and I want to read you guys a little comment. Uh, near the beginning, somebody wrote, 
My wife and I read the article and came away feeling like we are not part of the real church since our denomination only goes back a couple hundred years. Mm. R. Scott Clark writes, John, hear me out. You read my article correctly. I'm sorry, you read my argument correctly. I am calling into question the validity of the new Calvinist congregations. Huh. Wow. Well, there there you go. (laughs) I mean, um, I don't know, Zach, in, in... Nathan, what's your what's your vocation? I'm I'm sorry I don't know more about you. I feel like I should have done some show prep on you before we we hopped on here. Are you, you a pastor? Sent you a dossier. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know, right? We 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 messed up on that one, Zach. Um, I've had a bunch of different uh, vocations. Currently, mm-hmm. I am an administrator at a private school. Gotcha. Okay, um, but you've you've been kind of like moving around in these circles for uh, yeah. for a while too. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what's your what's your read on all this? Yeah, I, you know, to me, I, I think one of the biggest failings is when the church fails to be the church. And I think this is, this is one of those times, you know, people, uh, pastors, these watchdog people, these watchdog pastors, and, and even if they're not pastors, commentators love to jump in on the, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to find the wolf in sheep's clothing and, you know, mm. expose them. And the thing is, but they've already been exposed. Here they are. So, Shouldn't we now be at the point where we understand that the people who are a part of this congregation, uh, they're going through some major stuff right now. I mean, and these are, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with a pastor who has turned his back on the faith. I mean, to me, this is the time to weep with those who are weeping, you know, yeah. to come up beside them and be like, hey, you know, what can we do to to support you and help you not – Hey, let's tear this guy down that you've looked up to for so many years even further. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, people are already grieving over that. You know, they're, they've yeah. already lost. You know, if, if they were devotees of Joshua Harris, they've already lost their hero, and you know, they're already like confused enough. But um, Zach, don't you think the whole like why are our things still though has been a net positive? I mean, you and I have done. Yeah. We've done our fair share of like crapping on it and, and laughing about it over the years, which I think is well-founded. Like you, you should be able to laugh at it. There were a lot of funny things that were a part of it, but I, I think at the end of the day, we would both say that it's been a net positive. Abs- dude, absolutely. And I think the way to, to just kind of put your finger up in the air and say, is, are these winds still blowing in a good direction is go to the gospel coalition website, which I am doing right now. And you know how they always have five articles on the side. Yeah. You got one by Jackie Hill Perry tremendous communicator. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love her stuff. Yep. Uh, something from Desiring God. Uh, we got Gre- Brett McCracken. I mean, who doesn't appreciate that guy's kind of wit and stuff and and, and kind of uh, insider view on a lot of the, the uh, cu- culture Pop war culture stuff and how silly yeah, it yeah. is. And then Tom Rayner, who I could take or leave. But, like, I don't know. Then there's this this sing thing with the, uh, the Gettys – um, and we've got a picture of John Piper on that. I mean, it's like, it's still intact and it's still some, something that people are discovering out of very shallow, like Osteen leaning churches. Yeah. You know, like the, the mega church in my town I went to cause it had cool rock and roll music and a lot of programs for kids found yep. that it was very empty and someone turns them on to this stuff. Now, if somebody went the R Scott Clark route and said, here, read the Belgic confession. They would say, this is boring. I'll keep going to my church. But sure. if someone says, why don't you go to this, um, you know, uh, this, this Gospel Coalition Women event and hear, you know, some of these amazing uh, – hear Kathy Keller speak or, sure. you know, Jen Wilkin 
or yeah. or go, you know, why don't you come with me to um, the Doctrine and Devotion Conference or whatever, yeah. and 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 see Joe Thorne and all these guys and go, oh, hold on, there are people who aren't like blue blazer guys, yeah. and, and that's another thing. Why is it okay? For there to be this subculture of sort of like semi-affluent khaki and blue blazer. And I describe my wardrobe half the time when I say that. Not sure, affluent, sure. but, you know, why, why is it okay to have that sort of wrapper around Christianity? But the moment you have something that's not that dorky, all of a sudden we cry foul. Yeah. That, no, it's I mean, fascinating. One's okay and one's not. Why? One's worldly? Uh, sorry, but if you go to Washington, D.C., they look you, – you wouldn't know that you weren't at the middle of the SBC National Convention – yeah. So that's worldly. I mean, all, yeah. it's all worldly if you're talking about what clothes we wear, unless we're wearing Bible robes or something. So why are some of these things considered, quote unquote, too worldly? Uh, and that's going to compromise the gospel part of it. And some of them, just because they're a little dorkier, aren't. Uh, I don't know. To me, I, I called like shenanigans on that when I was about 12. And I couldn't understand <laughs> why people didn't understand that. Baby, you mentioned Bible robes and it it. it brings a question to mind like in all of your religious tchotchke shopping in in the Rus in israel <laughs> did you have a chance to acquire some bible robes did you know exactly what i bought in israel because you and johnny <laughs> shekels sat back and and cataloged it for possibility we, we, we were gambling on it like the total amount that you would spend yeah and, i don't know if you heard any of these things but uh johnny shecks uh jay caston and ted each of them had kind of picked somebody ted had me Johnny Shex had this kid we called Chest Cam because he walked yes. around the Holy Land with a chest cam, like a like a GoPro <laughs> on a harness on his chest. And uh, they were each trying to like spur us on so that Buying one or tchotchke. the other of us would buy more tchotchkes <laughs> to the Holy Land. I think hey. he went home with more. He did not have a shofar, but that dude, he was he shelling had, up at shekels, man. He had so much stuff. He spent so much money on that trip. And I, I can't believe he didn't go home with a shofar. I, I bet he did. I mean, how do you go to Israel and not get a shofar? You, you know, did I'm, get one. Yeah, I mean, you I knew, just, and you pointed out where they were cheap. Dude, I'm not a shofar guy, but like that's just <laughs> not my thing. But I, I feel like, you know, for a guy like Chess Cam to to come home without a shof, that's yeah, he'd, uh, he'd like be blowing that shofar for Trump. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Trump. <laughs> yeah. Now you got what Nathan would get, which is daggers. Yeah, yeah. dude, I love my dags, man. Oh, you did. Uh, yeah, I got souvenir dags, man, and nice. and I gave. Uh, I gave a couple to my kids because I'm a bad father. You know, get, get knives and give them to your small children. That's a, always a great idea, parenting wise. But I've actually got one like displayed in my office at, at Union. So, um, which is probably like not legal on a college campus. You probably can't have a, a, a dagger from the roost there. But uh, I tell people it's a letter opener if I get any grief for it, and and I think that's <laughs> that's how I am able to sneak it in there. But but yeah, I love my daggers. I got daggers and a tattoo. Did Nathan? Nice. Did uh, Zach tell you that we got we got tatted up in the roofs as well? Yes, I did hear that. That was that was amazing. By the uh, was it the oldest tattoo parlor yeah. in the in the area? In yeah, the world. Wasi, in the world. Yeah, Wasi, our our guy, our our personal tattoo artist. Since thirteen hundred, this family's been doing this continuously operating. It's pretty wild. Nice. Do you think our Scott Clark has any tats? No. So no, that's the kind of thing I feel, and I I, I feel bad about doing this because it's unfounded. Yeah. But having looked at that picture and having read one book by him, cover to cover, and a mm. number of articles and heard interviews with him, I get the impression, mm. and this may be wrong, but I get the impression that he kind of 
was like, I'm not going to do all the stuff. I'm not yeah. going to ride a motorcycle. I'm not going to get tattoos. I'm not going to wear those, you know, T-shirts and ripped jeans. I am going to be a good Bible kid. And then somebody was like, hey, you can follow Jesus and do all that stuff. And he went, hey. Yeah. And although he does have like the cool shaved head. And, and uh, dude, the cool know, shit head 90s. makes me think he, he might have gotten a little barbed wire around the bicep in the nineties. Yeah, you know, if you if you peel off that like that blue Oxford, you might you might find some barbed wire underneath there. Dude, I bet our boy is jacked, like un- I bet he's jacked. Too. jacked. Yeah. Dude, these angry like pastoral guys, they they lift a lot of weights, man. Like they work out all their their angst in the weight room. That's that's what I've found. <laughs> <laughs> who, who does that? Well, dude, like all the all the like leadership pastor slime balls now, like those guys lift a whole bunch. Oh yeah, like Furtick is like basically the Incredible Hulk now. Dude, he's the Incredible <laughs> Hulk. Like they're all slimy and oily and like super jacked on stage, and they're they're all wearing like baby baby gap t-shirts to preach in. You know, very <laughs> <laughs> weird deal. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Question: Do you think it would help my church? <laughs> and, I, and by that I mean even like attendance week to week. If yeah. I, you know, became CrossFit Zach, dude, I don't because I like to me, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your shofar for a minute here. <laughs> um, and, and this is 100 percent sincere, but it's it's founded on like a decade plus worth of observation of you as a pastor. Like, I think what makes you really special as a pastor is the like the amount of time you spend investing in your people. Like you're. Dude, you're hosting Bible studies and you're coming up with new ideas and you're like going to see sick people all the time in the hospital and doing like what I would consider real pastoral work as opposed to like lifting weights 30 hours a week, which I (laughs) not consider to be real pastoral work. Like I I feel like I've really plumbed the scriptures on this and like nowhere in the New Testament do I find, you know, bench pressing being like a a core value of the of the early church. So, um, no, I don't. I mean, I, I think. I think you're doing it right in the sense that like for, for pastors like you, it's less about persona and less about like, you know, slickness and looking like a male model and, and more about just like doing the job well. And uh, I think at the end of the day, that's, that's where it's at. Wise words from Ted Cluck, author of a hard thing on a beautiful day and other essays. Ooh, I like it. Nice. This reminds me of a, of another book podcast I did. Zach. Oh yeah. You've done, a, you've done a few others. What have you done? Uh, I did one called Between the Covers. Oh, so, I've heard of yeah. that. Is that the, the uh, Christian Sex Advice podcast with Dr. Kevin Lehman? No, no, this is a different one. This is for oh. book enthusiasts. So oh, if you're like a, between book covers. Yeah, if you're a bibliophile, if you're a book enthusiast, then then you're probably a subscriber to Between the Covers. And uh, just had a really vibrant interview. Really, really thought provoking. Um, a lot of a lot of fun, Zach. You know, I feel like we let our hair down. We just had a lot of fun on that. On that. Oh program. yeah, yeah. Full disclosure, I host that podcast. <laughs> exactly. There's only been one episode. Full disclosure, it doesn't actually long. exist. Only in the first, <laughs> only in the first ten minutes of a gut check podcast does between the covers exist. Ted, let me tell you something about Nathan Bell. Tell me, tell me a lot of things about Nathan Bell. Nathan Bell called me about uh, hosting this when when the uh, the guy who took over for Greg Dutcher. Who you you would love? Greg Dutcher is uh, one of the funniest guys in the world. Uh, he he stepped down because of uh, pastoral schedule and stuff. Another guy, Steve, stepped in. He couldn't do it anymore, so I I came in third choice here. Um, and uh, he was like, ah, yeah, gut check. I love gut check. It's been fun when you've been on the program. 
how about you and I do this? I was like, yeah, this, you're singing my song. It sounds great. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe a year ago. I mean, we've been doing this a while now, Nathan. What have we been doing this? About a year and a half? Yeah. Yep. Nice. I said, uh, now, did you hear my, my, my conversation with Ted a couple weeks ago? And he goes, oh, no, I don't, I don't so much listen to it anymore. Then I Whoa. find out uh, maybe a month and a half ago, he's still not listening to the Gut Check podcast or any podcast, but he finds time for a, do- a Dungeons and Dragons themed podcast. <laughs> I'm but sorry. I was laughing at check. something else. Yeah, there's something, <laughs> something outside the window was, was funny. He doesn't know that the randomizer now picks Jonathan Merritt tweets. Oh, no. He doesn't know about Between the Covers. With Ted and Zach. <laughs> Interesting. Man, I tell you, I, I got to I gotta come clean here. I'm a little disappointed. And c- can I be even more candid with Nathan, Zach, Absolutely. in saying that um, I, you know, I know, I know public persona-wise, I come across as very confident, you know, very in, in, in control of my faculties and my, <laughs> my emotions. <laughs> but um, I, I got to tell you, when Zach started doing another podcast with another man, I was, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Nathan, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I felt a little threatened. You Now's know? when you I, fight. Fight, you guys. Yeah, I felt a little threatened. I felt like, is, is this new guy going to come between, like, our, our friendship and our business, our work friend status? And, and uh, you know, was, there was just, a, there were a lot of emotions flying around at that time. And, you know, I've since, I've calmed down, you know, I've, I've gotten control again, a lot of therapy, but, um. <laughs> It, it's Zach, I feel like it's healing in a sense for me to talk to Nathan and just hear his voice, um, hear where his heart is, and uh, I feel much more comfortable with the arrangement as a result. And, and uh, one time I was on Ted's other podcast, the Happy Rent podcast, portraying a fictional character, Chas Marriott, and yeah. over the objections of Ted himself, who thought it wouldn't be funny. But mm-hmm. that happened too. So now we've been on each other's podcasts. Yep. We can put that all behind us right. and yep. uh, kind of hold hands and drive off the cliff. That doesn't work. Um, <laughs> what's the cinematic? What's that? Let's just said, let the healing begin. You let, know? Why don't you and I together chuck okay. the symbolic, metaphorical desk set That's right. in, <laughs> down into the moat that seems to surround the uh, New England Boys School, the Tony <laughs> the Boys desk School? Set. Yeah, the desk set of my jealousy vis-a-vis Nathan <laughs> is getting thrown into the metaphorical river. Zach, what's more? I'm going to double down on this on this movie situation. I think we all three need to levitate together. <laughs> <laughs> we need to fly over some piles of discarded tires and some like industrial waste as a as a group. Now, Nathan, are you are you down enough with the Brett McCracken vibe to have seen First Reformed with uh, one Ethan Hawke? Uh, no, no. Worse than Dead Poet Society by a good sight, wouldn't you say, Ted? I would say that, yeah, 100%. But worse, worse in the same ways. Like, if you take everything that's bad about Dead Poet Society and just multiply it times, like, 20, that's, uh, that's first reform. <laughs> it's bad enough that you should watch it just to experience it and laugh at it. It's Absolutely. so bad. <laughs> Here's what we need to do sometime. We, we need to get the three of us in on, like, a face a Facebook, you know, FaceTime thing, and we'll we'll do a commentary on it while we're all three watching it together. How does that sound? Dude, I love it. I would do that. That sort of thing's doable. Uh, we, we often hang out with the clucks at my household via Skype while watching movies together. And sometimes we record it. We make it into radio, which which is a thing you wouldn't know, Nathan. And uh, <laughs> I'm, 
If that sounded a little <laughs> passive aggressive, but you know, give me. But I don't know. Maybe you listen to the program once in a while. You would know we do that. Well, I'm not that out of it, Ted. I, I did listen to it long enough to know that you guys did that. And Zach, I I'm getting catty. <laughs> I got to say did you that, know that still. Ted and I also uh, have teamed up with uh, Missionalware for a variety of products. What's that? I said, did you know that Ted and I have also teamed up with Missionalware on a variety of products I, for our other podcast? I don't think mm-hmm. I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's really quite something. If you go to missionalware.com slash gut check, you'll see – You'll see selection, the array, the array of products. And, Did you notice? And, yeah, there's two now. We we join you in having never been paid by Missionalware, so <laughs> that's a thing that all of us share in common. And it's Zach, it's the tie that binds, really. You the know? tie that binds. Bless the Missionalware. Wait a minute, that can't be the the uh, the same situation with uh, Happy Rant. No, you know what? Piper manages all our money, so like Piper's I, savvy. Piper is so business savvy. Like I assume that I just assume that we've been paid by Missionalware, but I really don't know, man. I haven't I haven't looked at the books, you know. I haven't like taken taken an afternoon in my office and just like ordered in some Chinese and gone through the the, the ledgers with a fine tooth. Green eye shade on. Yeah, put on the old green eye shade, count out the stacks of hundreds, you know, that we got. I think that could be a next the- segment on your live in Louisville thing. Yeah, one where we just do the accounting together. Yeah. That'd be I just the learned that you guys had John Piper at your last event. Yeah, dude. Did I never tell you that? No. And, and did you talk to him? Yeah, dude. So the, the way it went down was, um, you know, we had sold all the tickets. We were standing around like 10 minutes before the event. And Pipe was checking all the ticket sales and stuff on his phone. And he was like, he was like, weird. I just got three new ticket orders from my dad. <laughs> um, That's so cool. Yeah. So John showed up, man. And, um, and I, I did this thing where... Um, like my dad was in the audience too, and my dad's not famous. So, uh, so as soon as we got on stage, like there was this huge buzz in the audience because all the all the people there were like huge John Piper fanboys. But uh, so I got on the mic and I was like, uh, I just want to you know be upfront, be candid. I know that one of us has a famous dad, and anytime this person's in the room, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of buzz. I just want to acknowledge it. Um, and then I introduced my dad, who was a oh, really that's good, awesome. Yeah, so my, my dad, who's not famous, like gave a wave. He was a really good sport about the whole thing, and that that was the end of it. That was the last thing we said about John Piper being there. But, uh, <laughs> nice. but yeah, he was there. It, it made Barnabas a little a little off his game. He was he was a little like more reticent than he would be normally, and uh, that was a lot of fun too. So so yeah, John and <laughs> John and Noel were there. Man, they were in the room. Who was the third ticket? Ah, uh, some random friend of John and Noel's, which I I feel is a really disrespectful way to describe this this person's personhood. You know, I'm sure they've had a a lovely life and career in and in and of themselves, but in this but case, but it's the person were, who was probably very disappointed by, by yeah. not understanding anything that was <laughs> being referenced or joked about. In this case, they were just third wheeling with John and Noel, which is uh, you know a position that a lot of reform people would like to be in, probably. Probably no. also secretly, our Scott Clark. Exactly. It, it might have been Ricky Scott, man. <laughs> there it is, like Fox Racing jacket, sipping a Red Bull, you know, <laughs> leaning so up against a acid cigar. Yeah, oh. flinty eyed, leaning up against a wall, you know. <laughs> now, now is Piper's dad an, an ardent listener to you all? You know, that's a great question, Nathan, and and I think the answer is no. By by no means is he an ardent <laughs> listener. He he just seemed kind of bemused, like. 
Um, he, he laughed a couple of times cause I kind of kept my eye on him. You know, I wanted to see if any of the, any of the humor was landing, but, uh-huh. uh, no, I, I wouldn't say he's a, he's a diehard listener, but, um, you know, they're to support his kid, man. I like it. Nice. Dude, uh, I love that guy. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. He's a good that's dude. The thing. Like the, the, the whole, not to bring it back to the article for, yeah. but, but it, by way of kind of summary, if, if you're going to lump John Piper in with this so-called cult of personality driven young reform movement, mm-hmm. because really when you read the original book, young restless reform by Colin Hansen, who also is still a super stand-up guy, yeah, um, good dude. Really, he really mentions good dude. Uh, that, that he was sitting outside, I think TGC or one of these things, uh, T4G, I mean, and uh, there, there are people with iPods that are just sitting around listening to John Piper sermons. Like he's at the core of it in a way. Yeah. And he's, he's still giving everything away for free. He's mm-hmm. still, so faithful. He's still so kind and not full of himself in any way. And wh- where did we go wrong then? Every yeah. movement has bad apples, mm-hmm. but yeah. not every movement has a John Piper as exactly. that's kind of part of it. So yeah, what yeah. are we throwing out? Dude, amen. hundred percent. That actually, that reminds me of something related that I wanted to ask you, Zach and, and Nathan, you can weigh in, in the, on, on this one too. So one of my favorite older reform guys is Timmy K, Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like if I'm, you know, lately, if I'm going to listen to a sermon podcast, it's usually Timmy K. And he's been he's been putting a bunch of stuff out there, like almost daily, like free free sermons that he's preached. And and I love listening to him, except that um, I, I don't know if you've listened to Timmy K sermons, but every single person that reads scripture at the beginning of of his sermon. So they always have a, a random person from the church like reading the text for that sermon, they all sound like Dr. Frazier Crane <laughs> or they all sound like sophomore theater students, you know, oh it's like God. with emotion, you know, well, yeah, with emotion, <laughs> like, like that's, that's, but that's not in like a theater script. That's like when you, when you and I were playing the saxophone in junior high and oh, you do absolutely. a little solo ensemble and it would be like with feeling like above, yeah. like the treble clef there above the treble clef. Yeah. With feeling. And I, we always like rolled our eyes at it, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's unbelievable, dude. It's it's a thing. Every time now that I'm listening to one of these sermons, and I and I hear the person read scripture, I always text KK, and I'm like, it sounds like Dr. Fraser Crane, or it sounds like you know a, a theater kid or whatever. It's really it's really a riot. Man. Well, he's uh, also the guy who had like the three male ballerinas that freaked out everybody, including, by the way, our Scott Clark. Uh, mm-hmm. About how effeminate it was or whatever, and not not fitting for the you know whatever the the. What's the name of that regulative principle of worship? Oh yeah, um, okay, sure. Because he's just where he is. I mean, he's yeah. in New York. He's around arty people, and they're all. I it's love their moment to be, you know, up on the platform and reading. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, yep. I'd go to that church if I lived around there, wouldn't you? Oh, dude, I would go there in a heartbeat. Are you kidding? Absolutely. In fact, I have friends that live in New York City and do go there, and they they speak very highly of it. Of course, you know. Nice. Yeah, he's great. Boys, this has been tons of fun, but I got to uh, I got to jet. Yeah. All right. What, baby? How are we signing this this thing off? I feel like you gave me an assignment and I forgot what it was. Yeah, yeah. We don't we don't uh, see you next time here. We rock the Casbah. Okay. I thought maybe uh, you could you could just hit us with the Casbah at the right moment, but but in that gritty Ted Cluck sign off voice. So is is Nathan saying the rest of it, and I'll just say Casbah. That sounds good. All okay. Right. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, boys, this has been a great time. Ted, over to you. Okay. <laughs> That's not what we discussed. That was uh, yeah. <laughs> and leave all this in. Yeah, leave it all in. Let's let's Zach, let's have another take. So Nathan, 
from where I sit. But I, what I understood was going to happen was that you were going to say Brock the, and I was going to say Kazbah. Oh, is that is that what was going on? I, I missed in, that. In I missed mind, that part. Sorry, I missed that part. Listen, it's not Nathan's fault. He's been listening to a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> podcast in one ear this whole time. Yeah. That wasn't a pepper grinder or a mouse click. That was, was like, nine sided dice or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right, guys, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to eleven. <laughs>